We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes, no. No? Sir, sir uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not by No, it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Just look at that. He hit the fall. That gets a free stay. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh, yeah. I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. All right. Welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the podcast where all movies are sports movies. I am your host, Kyle Banduho, and we are strangely getting back to an actual sports movie. This week, uh, it is it has been a bit, but the patrons of the Big Screen Sports Patreon group have spoken and voted in eight men out to be covered. Uh, me and Caroline Darney breaking that one down. A first time watch for Caroline, so uh, and someone who was not aware of the Black Sox scandal. So we had a good time chopping it up as always. And as for that Patreon group, I want to shout out new patron, producer patron Taylor Logan. Very old friend of mine. Uh, big shout out to her. She is the the absolute best. She saved my life every Saturday morning uh, during my redshirt season of college baseball when I was violently hungover, bringing me water and orange slices. So shout out to Taylor for that. Shout out to her for being a producer patron of this show. Joining Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D, Ryan Yeager, Mike Trees, Chris Mikoski, John Craig, Sam Smith, Zachary's Class Stadium Fire, Jason Alba, Stephen DeBow, Dan McFall, Kevin Engelman, Mac Lindsay, Kurt Ritchie, Robert Dove, Andrew Teagle, Rewan Balagoon, Jeff Estes, Anthony Scaffone, and Taylor Logan. Big thanks to them and all of our patrons for supporting this show and for picking such a great slate recently, including this movie. Uh, they're also picking next week's episode, which if you join the Patreon, you get schedule updates, you get obviously you get a say on what is being covered on the show you get access to our discord which means you get access to live watches me and caroline doing another live watch with a theme month next month so a lot of good things in the patreon and and just really appreciate everyone who continues to support the show keep this thing going uh and with that let's talk me and caroline darney talking eight men out all right, returning to big screen sports, she is the co-host of For the Water Cooler and just the co-host of this podcast as well, Caroline Darney. <laughs> Caroline, welcome back to the show. That's ah, oh, funny. Yeah, yeah. man, we're gonna talk like 1920s gangsters well, the whole time, sir. So happy to be here. Name it out, huh? <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're looking great tonight, Kyle. What's going on? Hi. What's going on at For the Water Cooler, so- Caroline? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I watched yet another time. I watched a movie for the first time for pop culture potluck with the lovely Jamie Howard on. And 
she had us watch Practical Magic, which I had never seen before. I have never it heard is of a that. wild I'm movie going to look from it up. like 1994. Sandra Bullock, Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Uh, uh, Stockard oh, Channing. Love her. <laughs> um, and it is, it's based off a book, allegedly, I learned, um, which makes a little bit more sense because this movie is like six movies in one like it could not quite just figure out like what it wanted to be i will not spoil the best needle drop and it's in the first like 20 minutes of the movie is it better I think. than the one from uh, um, palm springs better no funnier yes um descended from a long line of witches raised by their aunts after their parents death from a family curse the sisters were taught the uses of practical magic as they grew up it's a loose, loose description. <laughs> this is uh There's a murder. There's, a, there's all sorts <laughs> of stuff that happens. Um, and also, young Rachel Evan Wood is in this. Like, young, like, seven. Isn't it Evan Rachel Wood? Maybe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Look, I can't, you can't expect me to get all three in the right order. Like, all, I, gotta, I gotta... There's a high expectations. It's it's too late at night for that. Uh, That's yeah, tough. You're right, Evan Rachel Wood. <laughs> but yeah, she's like a a, a youth. Um, so it was watching it. Um, I should just send you a screenshot of the live text I was sending Matt Scalisi, my co-host over there, and uh, just a lot if, of all. If caps. you're familiar with this show, you were familiar with Matt <laughs> yes. as he was on. He was he was one of the 15 guests <laughs> on last week's show. <laughs> He he got all of the all caps like, what am I watching? Do I even like this? And then as I was talking about it on the podcast, which uh, will be live by the time you hear this. So that should be the most recent episode. Um, I was like excited to talk about the movie. It was one of those. Like, it's not necessarily one that I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. This is going to be in the rotation. It's my favorite. It's a very strong, like, it's similar to, like, The Craft. Did you ever see The Craft? I'm familiar with The Craft. I haven't seen The Craft. But is it, like, one of those movies? And, like, we've had a lot of these, and I'm not sure what we're doing tonight is one of those. But, like, movies that, I don't know if it's good, but certainly a lot of content. Certainly yeah. a lot to talk about. Yeah, it was. And this is going to, this might sound a little bit controversial, but for me, it was similar to the first time I saw Napoleon Dynamite, where I walked out of Napoleon Dynamite, and I was like, what was that like what did what was that experience like was that did i like this and then i spent the next however many years of my life it has been since that came out quoting it like nonstop. so it's one of those like in the moment it's kind of like a weird journey but then afterwards you're like this had so much it was it's ripe with just nonsense to quote and talk about and reference and so on and so forth so it's it was a super fun episode um obviously had to talk a little bit about swelsey um we talked about uh loki coming up this week so mm-hmm. a few things it is so it is well i'm i'm looking forward to listening i have a flight yeah. tomorrow so it seems like yeah seems like what i'm gonna to be do doing yeah but, soon um, i think uh coming up they're gonna make me actually watch like an, like make me watch like an actually scary movie so stay tuned for that I'm yes. I'm looking forward to hearing what that is. We have a little something cooked up for yeah. for Halloween season on this show. Little little double feature. That, I'm uh, making you watch a scary movie. <laughs> you are two of them. 
two of them. Uh, but if if you uh, if you join the Patreon, you already know that. And if you join the Patreon, you get to vote on movies for the show to cover. And the patrons voted on and selected this one that we are talking about tonight. We're getting back to the roots of the show. We are weirdly actually talking about a sports movie. I realize like it has been a long time. Uh, in in fact, I'm I'm just I'm just gonna go look right now. I stealing done this stuff is sports. Don't you lie Steal, to these stealing stuff is, is sports. So one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, eight, nine episodes ago was Smokey and the Bandit. Is that a sports movie? I mean, there's driving, bootlegging, the great sport. Of I was going to say, I think the last sports movie you did was She's the Man. How close am I? No, Angels in the Outfield. Ah, okay. Oh, yeah, the, that's right. She's the Man was last year. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. She's the oh, Man was last year. I think what? I swear you just did that in like June or July or something. Anyway, I'm sure well, those people are gripped by this conversation. <laughs> anyways. Also, I just, I just found a, we got a one star review that I want to read before we go into this oh, yeah. oh, about no. our days and confused episode oh, that, uh, the, the subject line is hand in your Texan card, bud <laughs> said, <laughs> Oh good. It's not about me. In their Dazed and Confused episode, the host mostly talked about a different, a completely different movie, which he's definitely talking about Everybody Wants Some. 100%. The other preferred a movie about a nice guy with a note. I don't know what that means. Nice guy with a note. Well, tough. Tough. If you haven't reviewed this show, go ahead and leave us a five-star review to, to cancel that one out. Because that's if you're, uh, you're going to leave a one-star review, can you be more concise, though? I need yeah, to know. Yeah, uh, let's now have all some I'm gonna fun on is. Apple on Apple Podcast. <laughs> I, I need I need more details. But uh, <laughs> anyways, tonight, we're getting back to the roots. We're talking about an actual sports movie voted on by the patrons to be covered. We're talking about Eight Men Out, the 1988 sports drama based on Elliot Asinoff's book of the same name, a dramatization of the Black Sox scandal when the underpaid Chicago White Sox accepted bribes to deliberately lose the 1919 World Series. So John Cusack, David Strathairn, and Michael Rooker, directed by John Sayles, who was also in the movie, uh, which is interesting, written and directed by Sayles, and Asinoff has an 87% on Rotten Tomatoes, box yeah. office-wise, not, not entirely successful, and came out in a period of time where same year as Bull Durham, Mm -hmm. Field of Dreams happens one year later, kind of tapping into the same lore, and then Major League is right after that. There's this like rash of baseball movies, and Eight Men Out kind of gets left behind in those. And Caroline, I realized when I was putting this together, you and I have actually never really talked about baseball movies. No. We've never done one on the show. No, nope. we've never talked. I I have no idea of your preferences of baseball movies. <laughs> I know you haven't seen what I consider to be the best sports movie ever. So what what are big? You know what what's the what's the lowdown? You and baseball movies, Caroline. What do what do you um, think of when you think of baseball movies? Oh gosh, I think Field of Dreams, which I haven't seen since I was a kid. Um, I do like I don't necessarily. I don't mean this is like I think of this as a good one, but I do remember like there's just something about angels in the outfield that just sticks to your brain when you're just like just see the flapping. <laughs> just remember that. Um, and 
I sometimes think that because I've seen other ones like I've seen Moneyball, I've seen Trouble with the Curve, which I know is your favorite. Um, and I'm trying to think what was a couple of the other Trouble, Trouble with the Curve. With the curve the has, one. It, yeah, it has live yeah, watch yeah. potential. Yeah. Um. So even when, what's the one with um, Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore? Fever Pitch. Uh, Fever Pitch. Obviously, I've seen that. Of course. Um. And even like what I (laughs) sometimes I think it can be hard to fully translate baseball onto like it's we I don't know because some of my fondest sports memories involve like dramatic baseball moments. So it's the um, I mean, any of the 2004 Red Sox come back, it's any it's big poppy hitting the grand slam against uh the detroit tigers where the um tory hunter goes over the outfield wall and you get the cop with his arms up and tory hunter's arm mm-hmm. legs up um i'm telling you like that is forever imprinted on my brain that moment because that was one of the moments for me that was like when my complete when your irrational fandom comes out in the sense that not like just you screaming and you're irrational about what but when you're sitting there and you're like okay they're down four. All you got to do is load the bases and hit a grand slam. Easy peasy. It's all you're you right got to do. It's all you got to do. And then one guy gets on base and you're like, so totally going to happen. We're good. Totally going to happen. And then all of a sudden, like it actually does happen. Um, and you're just kind of like, it's, that's for me, one of the moments where like all the other stuff that is so bad, <laughs> you like forget about all of it. Cause you're like, this is the greatest thing ever. How can people not like sports? This is awesome. <laughs> and then you forget about all the like bat back, back breaking, like crippling moments. Um, same thing like UVA baseball, 2015 college world series stuff. Like I've got multiple vivid memories um, in like small, not necessarily like small ones, but like when like Ernie Clement, like it's not someone that people are like, oh yeah, remember early Ernie Clement? Like let's all talk about Ernie Clement. And he's still playing. I think he's with Toronto now because uh, this was 2015. It wasn't like you know, it was 1972. The, the 1920s. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it like not to make it too sad, but it was the same day that I had to put my dog down, and oh. so rather than like go and it was unexpected, but like she had not been doing well. And so rather than the last place I wanted to be was at home. And so I had already had plans to go meet friends to watch this baseball game. And so we did that anyway. And it was like a nice little like gathering, keep my mind off things. And so here I am like Virginia's down two or three in the bottom of the ninth, losing to Maryland in the second game of this college world series. Like the winner goes soon. Um, If Virginia won, they went to the college world series. If they lost, there was a game three, the super regional. And I was like, great. My dog dies and we're going to lose to Maryland. Um, and anyway, Ernie Clement gets this like ridiculous walk-off hit in the ninth. And so I'm always like, I will always remember that moment. I will always remember Ernie Clement. Um, this isn't exactly what you asked, but why would I answer something that you ask on this podcast? But, but um, that's why I think what... the sport of baseball sets up so perfectly for yes. when it's done right. Because yes. big chill moments in baseball movies, there's a million of them. Like, yes. I always use the example of Roy Hobbs in The Natural, like the walk-off home run. I have seen, I have seen The Natural. See, the thing yeah. is, I feel like I've only seen ba- – I haven't seen – a recent baseball movie. Well, that's the big thing is they kind of stopped making them. Yeah. Uh, 
now they they've certainly stopped making a lot of like the team ones like the you know underdogs that whole thing yeah there's moneyball which was kind of a different kind of baseball yeah. movie it's like a business um, one yeah, and then it's like this can you know a studio now will say, oh wow, baseball can be big business, and we can win Oscars with this. Let's give some money to Clint yeah. Eastwood and see what he does with it. And then Trouble with the Curve was the biggest piece of shit ever. <laughs> and then since there hasn't really been much. Um, I little movie called uh, Everybody Wants Some is actually really good. Oh, what is that? Um, it, I think that's set in uh, Louisiana. Am I getting that right? <laughs> we're not even going down this road, uh, but. <laughs> Baseball, like baseball movies are why I want to do the show because I love so many of them. Bull Dern's my favorite movie of all time. Um, you know, we covered a lot of them on the show, but it, baseball done well is great. Baseball done poorly gives me an aneurysm. Um, <laughs> this, this is a movie that I think gets left behind when talking about the best baseball films because one, um, it, it came out among films that are regarded a little better and just were generally more popular and two it is not it's a really interesting subject matter yes. i think this one is really good really well done um they casted a lot of guys who feel like ball players but yes. it is not rewatchable like other baseball movies there are not the scenes you go back to you you and i were talking before this about like what are we going to do for best scene because a lot of the scenes it's very level a lot of them are the same and it's yeah, more it's of like very this movie's yeah it's like this movie's really good i just don't know how often i would i would watch it look i don't want to be mean but this movie was incredibly boring <laughs> <laughs> so like you're me... right it was well acted and it was and we t we joked about this before but like this didn't make me want to watch this movie again ever it made me want to like spend a few hours in the wikipedia hole about that i honestly this is i had never heard of this the of the black Sox. like this was new to me um i don't know how that happened <laughs> that i'd never heard of this especially someone who like oversees a site called bet for the win like i Works did not know about, like, this, this would be the big biggest for you. like betting so maybe i gotta write a post about like Hey, did you know this happened? <laughs> did um, did you guys hear? About, you, it's did like, you hear about this? And also, Burt Reynolds died. <laughs> Aww, <laughs> rest in peace, Burt Reynolds. Um, but my biggest issues. I know it came out in 1988, and I know that it's it's portraying 1919. But the whole thing felt like just a sepia tone nightmare. Like just not nightmare, but you know, like I had a really hard time distinguishing everybody and their roles like i could tell like the baseball players i also get really distracted by how creepy the gloves are in 1919 <laughs> the little finger gloves i don't like them Kyle. i don't i don't like them <laughs> i don't like them um and so every time like i'd see one i was like oh yeah what just happened i don't know there was just a finger glove but there's a lot of like generic men in suits with hats of varying styles i like those little like boat ones the little like the little like the kind of like strawy ones, ones. yeah, yeah the straw ones. <laughs> those are but everyone has one gets real confusing because now i think about hats as like it's a differentiator <laughs> like if someone wore one of those now i'd be like did you see the guy in the dapper hat unbelievable but they all have them so it's hard you can't use it as like oh and 99 percent of the time that that's just cam newton <laughs> 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 Ow. 
also true. And then you throw in the level of like 1920s names where everyone's mm. name is like Lefty, Hatch, Funny, yeah, Cal. Like it's Buck and, and not even kidding. So many of them spoke like that that I I struggled a little. And I know that I, it makes me sound like an idiot. I've had a long couple days, so it's probably just me. But I was like, this is not doing it for me and i just was kind of like maybe it's i was trying to think about what would be more i I do think that it's a hard time period to film Mm -hmm. like to reenact because i'm thinking about like even like not to make everything like mcu but captain america the original Mm -hmm. one like it's hard i think to go back to the 20s and do like a convincing like story that doesn't feel like it's supposed to be a silent movie. <laughs> you know what does it really well? A little show called Boardwalk Empire. <laughs> featuring featuring some of the characters from this movie also in that show. Really? I didn't yes, know there were TV Arnold, had a Yeah. The the the, the Boardwalk MC, the Boardwalk CU. Uh well, yeah. Uh, see, here's what's gonna happen. Arnold Rothstein, one of the most famous gamblers ever. Yes. Is that the guy who, so this, one of the things I found very fascinating is the logistics of gambling in 1920. Um, One, I did look, so I, well, I don't want to get ahead of things. I did the math or I put it in, I did the math. I put it in Google. (laughs) Um, What the knuckleball pitcher, is that lefty? Uh, No, that was Eddie. God damn it. Uh, Wayne Grow, what he wanted <laughs> was ten thousand before the first game, whatever. That's like three hundred k. Yeah, this was like, and I was like, hell yeah, you guys need to be instructing the Ocean's Eleven guys. Like, you gotta. This was, you know, and that was just for that game. Um, but the logistics of like how people consumed the actual games, like the guys that were like reading the ticker tape, fascinating to me. Mm. Like sitting yeah. in a smoky room with a bunch of men in suits and just being like, the Cincinnati Reds were hit by a pitch. They take first. <laughs> and like just doing that for four hours of a baseball game. Incredible. Yeah. Although I will say I, I should have, uh, man, I should have pulled this up because they had the times on these games. Hold on. You're going to be fucking floored. Every, they last like an hour everyone talks about a pitch yeah the pitch clock and stuff like gotta speed things up okay these games in 1919 the 1919 world series game one an hour and 42 minutes game two an hour and 42 minutes game three an hour and 30 minutes game four an hour and 37 game five an hour 45 game six something went wrong two hours and six minutes game seven an hour and 47 minutes game eight the clincher Two hours and twenty-seven minutes—the longest game in the series. It's wild because you think that has if, ruined everything. <laughs> you would think that if someone was throwing the game and therefore like leading to more runs being scored, um, that it would be like <laughs> longer. Yeah. <laughs> do you do we think baseball? What do you think the easiest sport to throw is? Is it boxing? Huh. Um. It probably is boxing, but the problem is that is hard because, like, you've got to get hit. Like, you're going against human nature in that. I mean, we see, like, that's a common thing in, like, in, like, movies. Like, oh, he was supposed to throw that fight. Yeah. Um, Baseball, like, baseball, I feel like it's pretty easy because, like, 
playing baseball in general is like hard. It's like, Hey, you yeah. strike out four times. Like that's right. not, you know, and it, and I feel like, I mean, these guys did very poorly covering it up. That's what I feel like mm-hmm. they, they could have done much better with that. The one um, thing I would think is I would bet that it was less obvious that they were throwing game and more like, Hey, the word is out that they're throwing this game. Yeah. There was I, I think, no real like hush hush to this. Yeah. Yeah. And Before we dive into all that stuff, two different people, weren't they? Yeah. I, or did yeah. I miss that completely? They, they were. Yeah. They okay. were trying to throw it for two different people. The guy in the boat hat with the white mm-hmm. suit and then the, well, no, he was with, and then Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, so he was Christopher Lloyd was setting it up, was trying to set it up through Arnold Rothstein, who was like the bigger guy. He's the big gambler. And then a guy named Sports Sullivan, who was the bar owner from Roadhouse. I don't know if you noticed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I <laughs> knew I recognized him. Oh, man. This movie could Yeah, that was Swayze. the man with the white suit. <laughs> yes. With the yes. strange accent. Yeah. Oh, extremely strange. Extremely. What was that I, supposed I mean, to be? I don't know. I kept kind of, I kept wondering that. Um, I am saying that this is an all-star movie because of, it is an accomplishment to, I I think one, I think the baseball in it is really good. Um, And I I like that. I'm giving them points for effort. I like that he, that sales cast a bunch of actual guys who could play baseball. Like Charlie Sheen, notably a good baseball player um, did steroids when he (laughs) was in major league (laughs) because he's Charlie Sheen. Um, I would have been shocked that Charlie Sheen wasn't the first to initiate the the throw the game situation if it had not been Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker, just the perfect the perfect like, person. It, yeah, I mean, it would game. be an upset that it wasn't Sheen in any other situation. Like yeah. if there was any other cast, but because Michael Rooker was there, you're like, ah, yeah, makes sense. Merle, it, Merle's it's all interesting. over this. Charlie Sheen actually doesn't get a lot of screen time. Like he doesn't have no. a lot of dialogue. He's like the ninth most used guy in this he's literally like the eighth man out in this movie he is like you don't hear from him at all and by that point he had been in platoon like he had been in stuff why was it called eight men out because uh eight of them were banned from baseball for life oh okay but it should have only been seven john cusack got (laughs) screwed i did realize that john cusack did get screwed and and that is a they they do it in the in the closing credits, but I like you. I went and did some Wikipedia research, and yeah, Buck <laughs> Weaver spent his entire life trying to get reinstated into baseball, and then his descendants have tried to get him his like ban reversed. That's bullshit. And it's okay. I'm taking bullshit. up on this cause now. That's yeah, Cusack should have Cusack should have got in on the cause. I'm a Buck Weaver person now. Um, yeah. when they pan to him on the bleachers at the end, and they tried to like make it look like in the future it's like black and white whatever and he took that long drag of the cigarette i actually cackled like <laughs> i knew you would absolutely i haven't heard that would. name in forever like, <laughs> just a deep drag just like joe jackson oh, joe jackson haven't heard that name in a long time <laughs> which always then makes me think of toy story 3 when that perfect moment with the clown on the window so <laughs> i haven't heard that name in forever <laughs> I love that moment though, where he's like, he was the best. He was the best. And I was like, That's he was him. a figure skater. And... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We'll get to that. <laughs> let's uh let's jump into the trivia. Director John Sales was contractually obligated to a running time under two hours. To inspire the cast to talk fast, he showed them the film City for Conquest from 1940. The final cut of this film, one hour, fifty-nine minutes, and forty-eight seconds. I was like, it was real close to two hours. 
right on the dot, right on the dot. Um, DB Sweeney, who is right-handed, played the left-handed hitting shoeless Joe Jackson. He initially suggested filming his hitting scenes in reverse, a process used in the pride of the Yankees. John Sales didn't have the budget for such effects. Sweeney arranged to work out with a Class A minor league baseball team to learn how to hit left-handed. This is important because in Field of Dreams, Ray Liotta just hits right-handed. It's Shoeless Joe Jackson. <laughs> that is like the most Ray Liotta thing. Like, it is. It is. is and D.B. Sweeney has a good swing. Left-handed? Don't care. Don't care. He also it's... said Sweeney came to feel that the conditions and atmosphere around Class A ball were comparable to those around Big League Baseball in 1919, which is something I, I've never come up with a name for this scale. But the scale of how sports need to look in like 1919 compared to like now, like there's some sort of descending scale where like if we were watching a movie about baseball in 1919, like like we were with this movie or just like if it was made now, it doesn't need to look like the guys are now because they're completely different athletes. Like baseball back then just looked worse. And there's some sort of name for that scale. And I have yet to come up with it. The that was and I do think that like the baseball scenes were good, like you said, but it was decidedly 1919 there's something about like every swing was like throw was like more of like a throw at the end Mm -hmm. and it's partly the uniforms the baggy sleeves on the uniforms particularly where it just looks like "Eh, it's funny see we're playing baseball like baseball and big big uniforms weird gloves like (laughs) everything just had like felt more dramatic like there wasn't a lot of like smooth athleticism portrayed by any of these people so it I actually love that. Like, that's why I love the natural. I love that old timey baseball where they're just playing with what looks like oven mitts and, and, yeah, like, and every, and no one's wearing a helmet. And yeah, I actually, just, I love that when they wind up and like all the jerseys and the hats, the hats have no shape. Like mm-hmm. they're just like knit wool, just floppy. <laughs> and like, I just, it cracks me up. And there's like three women. Yeah. The entire oh, movie. yeah. Th- this movie doesn't pass the Bechdel test. Um, <laughs> okay. This one is just John sales used cardboard cutouts to help fill up the stands in the ballpark. He needed a thousand extras to film close-ups and panning shots of live fans to lure the extras. Charlie Sheen volunteered to take part in a contest for one extra to have lunch with him. What the fuck is lunch with Charlie Sheen? Like <laughs> <laughs> where do you think? So, do you, did they film in Chicago? He's like, let's go to the hot dog place. I know, th- I know the field. The field was in Indiana. It was like I think in Indianapolis. But like, if you're that, it's extra, like we're going the- to Shoney's. <laughs> you're 20 minutes into that lunch, and you're like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. <laughs> he's like, so kid, what do you want to talk about? And you're like, I don't he's, know. He's on the he's on the restaurant phone because there's no cell phones, and he's like, Charlie has gone to the bathroom seven times. <laughs> he's out of his fucking mind. That's amazing. Just like, uh, if you show up to eat with Charlie, <laughs> I like it. He, he ordered a, a bunch story. of. He ordered half the menu, and then it got here, and he just said, "No, I don't eat." <laughs> he makes you pay. <laughs> oh, buddy, I forgot my wallet in the car. Can you? Can you grab this? <laughs> um, yeah, I saw that, and I was like, "We got to talk about that." Um, <laughs> Studs Turkle, who plays the old reporter Stop. Hugh Fullerton, Stop. Stop. was seventy five. <laughs> was seventy five when he played Chicago sports writer Hugh Fullerton, who in real life would have been forty six at the time. But that kind of helps the uh, 
you know, like the people just looked older in the old days. Like 46 was 75 in nineteen eighty. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You're about three quarters of the way in through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Arnold Rothstein, the gambling racketeer and crime boss in this film, was summoned to testify to the grand jury before the trial in Chicago. Prosecutors couldn't find any evidence linking him to the fixing of the series. Spoiler alert, uh, if you want to dive in on the history of Arnold Rothstein or want to watch Boardwalk Empire, he was murdered in 1928 after refusing to pay a $320,000 gambling debt from a rigged poker game. Oof. Tough way Yikes. to go. Yikes. Yes. Yikes. Tough way to go. Uh, Caroline, let's take a quick ad break, and then we're going to get back with what worked. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Uh, three up, three things that worked about this movie. I, I, will, I will kick it to you. Okay. As what, what jumped out as something you enjoyed about this one. It's the first time. Um, first time I mean, watching. I think, I think the topic, like, and I know that this is again something where, like, I'm an idiot and I had never heard of this, but it's a fascinating, especially now with the prevalence of sports gambling. It's more and, relevant than ever. This movie, yeah, and it's clear that you know I think this is what led to a bunch of changes or scrutiny um, because they were very. One of the things I, when I was watching, I was like, Michael Rooker has no chill. I love him with my entire heart, by the way. Um, he <laughs> was is, Merle. What is your favorite Michael Rooker? Probably Merle from um, Walking Dead. He's like the worst, but also like you end up liking him in some ways. Like he plays this. So he's Daryl Dixon's brother <laughs> and he like loses a hand within like the first five episodes because they end up like handcuffing him to a roof because he's a racist asshole <laughs> like it's just he that's why i say like lovably in the sense of in this movie where i'm like michael rooker he's always got some sort of like shenanigans whether he's always it's got like, something going on he's always he's got in, something uh... going on like he's always going to be making someone miserable in some way uh let me think what else he also this is a very weird one to like from him but he also voiced uh character in several of the like call of duty games <laughs> isn't he's also in um he's a guardians of the galaxy yes he is that's the actual answer sorry yeah yeah, yeah he's in days of thunder he's in um he's in that new netflix adam devine movie the outlaws which jacqueline and i watched one night was it good uh, 
Um, Had its moments. Pierce Brosnan is fucking having a great time in that movie. That's good. Who else was in that that I was like, they're in that? Um, Um, Michael Rooker. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really? Um, Let's see. I'm going through his link. Yeah, I don't know. I'm horribly embarrassed that I I did not. um... Well, kind of on that subject, quality cast. A lot yeah, of just absolutely. every everyone's good, and everyone, almost everyone in this cl- in this cast is also good in something else. Like Cusack has obviously gone on to have a career, like a great career, like Con Air, uh, yeah, Con Con Air. Uh, and but he, Cusack can also like act. I don't know if you ever yeah. saw Love and Mercy, where he plays Brian Wilson he, for the Beach Boys. Really he good. He chewed up this movie. I'm oh, not gonna yeah. lie to he you. he's going for it. It's really interesting. We like like the. Charlie Sheen again, not a lot, but like everyone in this movie, like think fucking Doc Brown is in this movie. Yeah. Um. And then, did you recognize his little running partner, the Billy Ma- Billy Maharg? Did you recognize that actor? No. His name is Richard Edson. He is the guy in Ferris Bueller who takes the Ferrari. For he takes Cameron's Ferrari for a joyride in Chicago. Oh. That was that guy. Well. There's so many. So the guy who played Eddie mm-hmm. looks so James... familiar. Oh, uh, David Straithair. Yeah. Oh, 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 Shatern. Yeah, he's been in. Shatern- um, oh, so that you say that? Oh. He, yeah, he's been in a ton of stuff. He was nominated he for an Oscar yeah. for uh, for Good Night and Good Luck. That's like his his big thing. But he's, I mean, he's oh, been he working was in forever. The Expanse too. That's what I mean. Like he was just in like everything. He was in the, Godzilla, the manager King of monsters. The manager was Frazier's dad. I know. <laughs> I did. That was one of the few people that I told my mom when I was. So I had dinner with my mom tonight, and I mentioned that we were doing this podcast. And hilariously, since I had no idea what this was at all, she goes, "Oh yeah, oh, well, I was watching Antiques Roadshow, and this guy had the ball, and it was signed by the Cincinnati Reds team from 1919." Um, and she, I think that's actually like how she learned more about it. Whatever was like listening because like that it was over like the reds were actually good but it was overshadowed by the fact that they all cheated or, or mm-hmm. um tried to throw the games and blah 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 um but i was like yeah frazier's dad was in it and she goes how old was he in this and i was like oh this was like ages ago so i don't know well i didn't say well i mean if, i had no idea when this was made that's the problem with making one of these like old-timey movies because <laughs> i was like well it was like young john cusack and like it was around what like probably only five or six years before Frazier started. Frazier was yeah. in the 90s, right? Yeah, like early Frazier 90s. was in the 90s. He is delightful. I love him. I truly, truly mm-hmm. do. I don't I know I feel bad is. for him in this adult. movie, too. I do, like, too. His guys are throwing the series on him. I felt he was the one I felt the worst for, and then I think it goes, did the catcher know? The ca- so it seemed like a lot of the guys realized the guys who were not in on it realized what was happening, and I'm sure, yeah, like, okay. I'm sure they did. And I, I mean, I felt bad for the catcher because he was yeah. trying his little ass off. He was, he was yeah. fighting for it out there. Um, yeah, he he was he he was he was very unhappy. I mean, you, that like all the baseball of it all is is very well done. It's not the most exciting baseball movie in the world, but like it's it's a good accomplishment. Like the first time we see them playing that one game, like it's a lot of fun. And I, like I said, I love the old timey baseball stuff. Like, yeah, a lot of movies have done a lot worse. Yeah. And I also, one, another thing I appreciate is like the, there's a lot of talking in this movie, but I did appreciate the, 
like immediately put me on the side of the players and I mm-hmm. get why our why Eddie is going to go like go against clearly his moral compass and mm-hmm. participate because this guy's screwing him like yeah. he got benched for two weeks specifically so he wouldn't hit the 30 game threshold to yeah. get the bonus like that's obvious like it's a very like you know this movie is also a huge argument for paying college players like and paying them well because th- this is what i mean what is it like iowa and iowa state we've had a bunch of gambling scandals oh and, yeah and like, stuff like that yeah. like it's like people who like this is kind of like these guys back then this is their only chance to hit a big payday and even then like it wasn't a very big payday like baseball players did not make then what they make now forget it i make six grand a year a lot of people are out of work how old are you eddie how long is the arm gonna hold up hmm? arms fine you got hurt Tommy wouldn't even pay your train fare home what do you do then i hear you plan on sending those girls of yours to college look at chick will you just get off my back just hear me out will you Hey, what's your hurry? I got a meeting with the old man. Right now? Mm-hmm. Five, please. Hey, you wouldn't say nothing, would you, Eddie? Uh, not, not even close. But and and with you know something like this, like yes, a, a dark mark on baseball, but also one of the key cogs. And hey, we need to form a union. We need to you know we need to have some some recourse against owners who don't want to pay or want to keep wages down or things like yep. that. Um, I, I just think going back to what you said, like uh, the topic is super interesting. I could watch a lot more content on, on this. And this is where I want to bring up, like on the Wikipedia, it says all the places that the black Sox scandal has appeared in pop culture, um, a bunch of books, uh, the novel that inspired field of dreams called shoeless Joe. Um, the natural was, was inspired by this, the, the novel of the natural, um, in the movie, this is referenced in The Godfather. This obviously has this movie. This is Field of Dreams. It's referenced in The Great Gatsby. It's referenced in Boardwalk Empire. Like this is a this reverberated through sports and through pop culture, and it's it's incredibly interesting. Like really, yeah. really interesting. I kind of I wish not to get into like three down or what didn't work, but I kind of wish it had been half and half of yes, half them throwing you. the series yes. and then a bigger half into the, the unfurling of the scandal. Cause we really just get like a montage. I kind of like the journalism montage, like Dre journalism matters, but like I would like them putting the pieces together of this, the court case and stuff, the decision yeah. to, to ban them. Cause the movie pretty much ends when they, they think well, they're getting off and then and they their don't bands really like, yes, thank you. I just was, kind of, ugh, I agree hundred percent. There's and I'm try I was trying to think if there was a way to even hide the pickle more where it's like you're not entirely sure that they who's in on I don't mm-hmm. know I don't know I'm I, I've gone back and forth over this since like watching it and finishing it and or in the process of watching it because it felt just very exposition like it just it just told you everything there was no real like mystery or drama to it in the sense and i understand that they're telling a true story and that this is how things happen like whatever else um but it like it almost like i didn't think that there was enough like baseball in the sense that there wasn't even enough like clear you understood that they were losing based on like here are the first two batters of the game like i could have done with more like 
scoreboard shots and like mm. dejected end of game things and like i don't know if that makes any sense or if that would be a way worse movie i don't know but it just there was just a little something missing and i think part well you're right is if they had done a better court scene whether mm. that's longer or um i did really like the juxtaposition of the serious court scene with the fans like mm-hmm. that they all were like the good boys who made it to the world series and the cheering and when like how did the like i want to see the papers get stolen not just have that be some throwaway thing yeah, like that was clearly they, a huge thing that happened yeah like i was in retrospect i'm less interested in the in the actual throwing of the series like that was yes. less dramatic than the repercussions of everything. Yes. And, and we, it, don't, we don't get to see how it, the only people who we get to see the effect of being banned from baseball on are kind of Joe Jackson and Buck Weaver. And we yeah, don't, we don't really even get to see them else. get told that they're being mm-hmm. banned. That yeah. moment, we just see them celebrating as like the, like intense rich men discuss, you know, their futures, but we never get the actual, like breaking it of them. And like what happened to like, all the other characters i always says i feel so badly that i didn't think of yondu first because i love yondu and like that <laughs> like guardians of the galaxy is one of the most consistent you just circled trilogies. all the way back to the michael Rooker yes because i was gonna call him merle again that's how that because that is how much i associate merle with with michael rooker because i was like i don't even know i forget his real name half the time because he's merle and that's what like my defense for not saying yondu also because yondu is blue and that does throw me off i'm not gonna lie um, but shout what out. What if to Michael you. Rooker was blue in this movie? Would it have been this movie for you? <laughs> no notes. Um, <laughs> shout out to the Ravager funeral, which makes me cry every yeah. single time. Can't. We're, um, we're 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 getting off the Guardians of the Galaxy train right now. I'm not ready to talk about that franchise. <laughs> um, I, I was going to say bit. we don't even get to see how it affects him. Like he, yeah, because this is something going into what works is Michael Rooker crushes this role. The what he does so well is this like um i don't even know the right word for it he's so like mischievous Mm -hmm. like he's always having a good time him and the other bro who i could not even begin to tell you who he was or what position he played the shortstop i believe that was swede skip callahan name he had um (laughs) the two of them yeah, they took none of it seriously. They were no. like, we're going to get away with this. Who's going to say anything? Who's going to catch us? If they catch us, who's going to believe it? No one's going to put... And like, the whole time, they're always like rubbing elbows and making jokes. And mm-hmm. um, they, he was great. They were great. I, that part was outstanding. But yeah, I think Treating they... poor Joe Jackson like he's Forrest Gump. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and like, even when, uh... <laughs> when Buck Weaver... <laughs> <laughs> wanted to like when he got all uh i actually he's just playing his character from like buck weaver goes on to be in the dea and like be in con air it's the same I mean, guy when, with when his, he like, has to find something outside of baseball. yeah it's his like i am a moral upstanding man when do i have my chance um they were like shut up nerd <laughs> i loved his outburst in the court I scene too. i love him sticking up for himself like fuck yeah cusack you tell him <laughs> this isn't fair yeah you get Rook, Rooker being like, sit down, dork. <laughs> like, it's the, the, the baby Billy. <laughs> You're outside, nerd. 
nobody cares. <laughs> the, like, and then he's the guy that would get like the whole odd, like the whole crowd to laugh to and be like, "Yeah, loser." I I love though when Such they're about bully. to read the verdict and Cusack is like, "I just judge. I just wanted on the record that I didn't. I, I asked tried. for a separate trial. I yeah. tried. I hit three twenty four in the World Series. All that stuff. <laughs> no and one as cares soon as, about your record, <laughs> dork. As, as soon as they read the not guilty verdict, he's like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> Just celebrating with all and of them. The big band's like. <laughs> I texted like this to you. What? Band. What if a big brass band had broken out when OJ got found not guilty? Like, I just think more big brass bands should be used as just immediate responses to more things. Like just in general, the music was just like oh, like the whole time just like jazzy walking down the street music love if it. i was better at editing i would pull the like we find the defendant orenthal james simpson not guilty and just <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, it's so bad um something else i liked i liked the two um the two the two sports writers kind of keeping track and be like hey this is fishy i liked the running bit about the circling the names on the scorecard yeah, like oh this but guy's also, in they said they were gonna like you you see what you think's fishy and i'll see what i think stinks and then they um, were just sitting next to each other and looking at the same thing yeah so that's like, <laughs> but also if there's a play that you think is uh suspicious don't just circle the guy's name like draw like write a note about what the play was and what you thought was thought was suspicious i needed a scene of both of them after game one like laying their scorecards down and having like the same plays circled or something like that the same guys circled i would have been in on that also i'm just i keep going back to the fact that i thought they were really bad at cheating the players yeah i mean because again that's i feel like it's that's something that's really tough to film is like guys who aren't actual baseball players pretending to not be good at baseball true fine fine it's tough like i did i loved the if you hit the first batter we'll know the fix is in mm-hmm. like ah the fix is in fixes <laughs> <Like>, in <laughs> oh. on, on that subject like fixes in i i wrote this down i just i would have loved speaking in 1919 like gangster speak i am honestly so in. proud of myself that i've like held back a little bit this is me holding back because i absolutely loved like ah, it's funny you see you see this guy over here he's got himself in a real sticky situation and i throw the world series sir (laughs) i got an idea for you skip (laughs) everyone's calling everyone nicknames i'm telling you this was i did i really struggled and i know i've had my wayne grow situation (laughs) i've not really shown that i'm good with names but i went into this and they started talking and i was like i am not gonna know a single person so we have dicky swede kid chick lefty hat how am i supposed to remember ring billy mahog look relatively similar yes and then but they also look very different when done up differently yes like they're either in a uniform where they all look the same. The only one I could tell every single time was Rooker and Cusack. (laughs) Um, And so, and then when they're not in those uniforms, they're in like 
wild three-piece suits with different hats and i'm just like oh and i the women all looked the same yeah well i mean that was that that seemed very by design like hey and we, i was like we got nothing for you ladies you can be eddie's concerned wife or you can be buck's concerned wife you have two yeah. choices and i was like i don't remember which one was married to which person like struggled with that um so i really maybe it's i just struggled a bit with this <laughs> yeah i've already said my strikeout i think i think focusing like like less yeah. on the suspension because that's the lasting legacy of this is the trial yes. and the suspension because um, i was like when they said that again this there's been a lot of stuff going on today but they said it and i was like did he just like ban them like i i didn't think it was again super clear which is why we should have had a scene where he tells them and like yeah did uh, shoeless joe jackson so there was he just changed his name and like went back up through the ranks no, so a lot of these guys, like in Shoeless Joe Jackson, ended up playing like semi pro ball or playing in non affiliated baseball. None of them ever played the major leagues again. And it was kind of like the big thing of Field of Dreams is that Shoeless Joe, you know, hit 379 in the World Series, hit the series only home run, like didn't deserve to be. And then you get a really incredible Ray Liotta monologue about that, about like how much he missed baseball and stuff like that. And that's the stuff that this movie really needed. And I think I'm wondering if like people saw this and then saw Field of Dreams and saw because you see all these guys in Field of Dreams too, and it's like ah, oh, kind of like that, like them like you know being more wistful instead of the last time we see them, they're all really jovial, like hey, we got away with this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everyone ex- everyone except Buck Weaver. Uh, so I mean that that's just I I needed more of that, and I, I think I mean not to step on our last category, but I think like something like this is so rife for a remake. Like I, oh, I think something on yes. this would be bananas good yes absolutely yeah absolutely um you know who they should cast in it i i can tell you i i can tell you who'd be really guy who's pretty good at baseball uh they've been in some baseball movies (laughs) but seriously (laughs) play the music Let's call him up. <laughs> Be like, we have an idea for you. Glenn, Glenn, Glenn. <laughs> Glenn when Glenn. we're done with this, I need to ask you about his Instagram post from today. Just bookmark that. Uh, yes. Um, I have questions. Uh, Same. So, uh, for three down or like stuff that just doesn't work, um, watching Doc Brown be a villain or kind of just like a not good guy is tough. I don't like yeah. that. I don't, I don't um, like that. It's Doc Brown. I don't know if it's because he was so much younger or his hair was less crazy, but it took me a hot second to realize that when I texted you, that's, I was, it looks like it said, that's Christopher Lloyd. What I really meant was like, that's Christopher Lloyd. (laughs) (laughs) Like I knew he was in this movie, but I didn't realize he was that guy. Like, that's the thing I was watching. I was like, where's when, when's he going to show up? And I think he'd been in three scenes. I was like, wait a minute. What? that's him Mm -hmm. so yeah he was again i just i thought that a lot of that was confusing and that maybe i'd say like i'm an idiot but i i've got i've been through a lot of school i think i do okay (laughs) um and i i found this like a little confusing like just who just who all the players were when it came to like the shady underbelly versus the owners and the um 
journalists like there was just not a lot of like everyone wore the same thing mm. like i will say having someone some background in a, put someone in a, a black a white socks polo help me out here <laughs> would have been a, <laughs> why why was no one wearing a golf polo in this movie yeah. uh having some background on the situation does make it does make it generally yeah. this, this is a movie where it educates you a little bit on it but it does make it easier to follow if you have kind of an idea of who is who yeah. and what's going on and like this is something that i love um but it, I mean, it is noticeable that like the players that it's easy to keep track of are Cusack and Michael mm-hmm. Rooker and Shatharen and Charlie Sheen. And Charlie Sheen is minimal, you know, minimal lines, but he's Charlie Sheen, so that helps. Yeah. Um, but I mean, overall, like I think there's not a lot that like doesn't generally work for me. It's just like I wish it had been structured a little bit different. But it has it has things that I like. Like I really enjoy the baseball scenes. I like the concept. I just wish I got more of one thing and a little a little less of another. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. I also just had a commentary that like Rooker from the get go, you realize he's just gonna be sweating bullets about this thing. The guy Swede is just like, oh yeah, we're gonna be, you know, we're gonna be good. You gotta do it. But like Rooker is constantly stressed out, like, oh, where's I need the money for Eddie and like you gotta do this and oh he's gonna find out. Like Rooker for being the mastermind is a little more stressed than your typical mastermind. He's certainly not uh Clive Owen in Inside Man. No, and I also I guess to add that as the last little thing was the logistics of who was getting paid how and when and for what I did not think were particularly clear in the sense of like ha- did they have to I don't know. I just think if you're gonna make someone throw it, don't make them lose the first three games in like absolute <laughs> fashion. You know what I mean? Like, no shit. Everyone found out. Like, you made them lose the first three games like a clown show. Like, it just I, and then I couldn't figure out if they had to lose the whole thing because I thought the players were like, okay, we'll lose the first three, but also apparently there were a billion games because I thought I thought I was losing my mind when. I saw it say game seven mm-hmm. and then they were like, we still got games to play. And I was like, did I hallucinate that? Best of I, nine. And then it World said game Series. eight. And I was like, game eight, where'd that come from? And so I think that I guess, did they agree to lose the world series or just games? I think they agreed to different people. I think they agreed to lose the world series. Some of them thought they were just throwing games, I believe, but they in practice agreed to lose the world series and then started getting mad that they weren't seeing all their money that they were promised. And so we're like, fuck this. We're just going to win the world series. And then that's when the alleged threats started. And so that's when, when lefty comes in and he's like, I'm not even going to try in game eight. I'm just going to walk everybody. I don't even. I also don't think that they let us know about the threats well enough. I I'll, the only thing I remember about threats was like just Michael Rooker being like, "These people are dangerous. You don't if you cross them, you're gonna." But I again, I would say that I would. I think I would be better at throwing a baseball game. But like I had enough trouble getting people out when I was trying, so I don't even think like I'd have to try. I don't think think yeah. I'd have to try to throw it. I'd just like be I you. Think of that <laughs> was that South Park episode where neither team wanted to win the little little league game. Do you, you ever watch South Park? I do, but I don't recall that one. You don't remember? That? It's <laughs> hilarious. Both because all the kids were like, "I don't want to play baseball anymore. Like I'm done." And they're both trying to lose, and the they were like getting mad at each other. I forget. <laughs> um, there's just I think there's a song involved. Anyway, top notch episode. Top notch. Um, because I was just like, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's got to be a better way to 
lose the series. Yes. Yeah. I just thought they were very obvious, and it's not surprising that they were caught. Yeah. Let's pick a best scene. Um, I will run through the nominees. It's your first time, okay. first time watcher. I will say the opening game is a great way to introduce us to the characters, and they all look like ball yeah. players. Like that's a lot of fun. The little kids yeah. getting into. We're gonna go watch the socks. I got the other two bits. We're in. How'd you get it? Also, there were little kids everywhere in the twenties. Apparently, yeah, they're just like, running rampant all over the place. Yeah, that was like, yeah, what is like the era? What is even more free than latchkey kids? Just like no key kids, like come <laughs> home, like no no locked doors. Well, I mean, when did all the labor laws go into play? <laughs> My favorite Ron Swanson quote about child labor laws ruining this country. <laughs> show so good um yeah i mean these these little kiddos were just wilding in the streets they all had jobs though i'll tell you that they're all selling papers and sweeping cool chimneys yeah yeah um no. when they're at the bar setting up the fix the movie gets right to it which i really appreciate and then all the dialogue is sharp and quick and it feels really authentic and it's also in that you know 1920s speak huh. yeah, so, cheat, huh? yeah what if we could get the money to fix the World Series, huh? I kind of like You're that. On the tape. I like that. That's like our if we're if it was a heist, it's them setting up the heist. Again, I thought that they could have been a little more discreet. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like well, it, they all these people lived before the surveillance state. Like they, yeah. who's gonna tell any? Like they, the phones. And that's the work. thing. Was like, I I dare you to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> Although I don't think that that mattered much in the actual trial well they got they they got off but um because like no one's recording you on their iphone you know what i mean like, mm -hmm. yeah you don't have to worry about like a secret recording popping up yeah <laughs> you'll just be like no i didn't say that no, what I do you mean shit. there's nah, there's no that. there's gonna be no surveillance camera of them sitting with those gamblers like yeah no one's like shit nah, i can't gonna call buck weaver a liar <laughs> Sorry, he's the he's the he's the he's actual, good guy. like upstanding one. He's the only name I can remember. Um, all the baseball scenes are kind of equal to me. Like the first one is like the most unique, but then it's like a bunch of them in the World Series. Yeah, um, that's when it got real repetitive. It was like, yeah, same baseball scene. Guys talking about the betting baseball scene. Guys talking about the betting. Yeah, it's fun when Cusack is having fun. Like in Game Seven, when Eddie's like. I'm going to actually pitch to win and Cusack's happy about it. Like that's a good time. Yeah. Then game eight, it all falls apart really quick. Lefty's poor wife, terrible gambler. She's like, I'll bet you my husband throws a no hitter. It's just a no hitter. Like, yeah. Oh, Oh honey. <laughs> Ugh, sweet um, I, the trial is like, is interesting. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> The the best part of the trial is the uh, the testimony of of the owner of Comiskey when he's yeah. like defending his players, but then he leaves with you know they're like you know he's like do you find it suspicious and he's like they've been indicted by a criminal court if that isn't suspicious I don't know what is yes <laughs> which I like, did like that there's a certain segment of the country that apparently no longer finds that suspicious which is interesting so <laughs> how about that Charlie Comiskey a man of morals. <laughs> Um, there's a, there's a Cusack moment in this one when he's talking to the kids after he's walking home from court about like, you know, the, 
there's field of dreams has something like this too with Ray Liotta. And I, I get very sappy when baseball movies do this. Like anytime a player's like, there's nothing like the crack of the bat and feeling the ball, you know, and running through the bases and feeling the dirt under your fingers. Like anytime there's a monologue like that, I'm like, that makes me feel feelings. And I will, I will give you a point. It's like around the horn. Anytime there's that monologue in a baseball movie, I'll, uh, I'll give, I'll give a little point. And then, um, the movie wraps with, uh, the New Jersey 1925 when it's, it's Joe Jackson where Buck is like basically a grizzled private eye haunted by a case that went wrong. It's like he's, and then, uh, he's just like, it's not him. He was the best, but yeah, it's a lot. A lot of them run together, which is, which is kind of a, which is kind of a problem. Yeah. Is there something Um, that stands out to you? I agree. I think I like the, the first baseball scene. I like, I like the courtroom stuff. Cause once it got into the courtroom stuff, I was like, Ooh, courtroom stuff. And then it ended and I was like, no more courtroom stuff. No more courtroom Um, stuff. Those are probably my favorite. I, again, I felt like the middle got a little, little too repetitive Mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. I would, um, it's probably not a good sign where I'm like, I think the most fun I had in this movie were the first two scenes, the baseball scene and then the setting up the fix in the bar. Yeah. But I I also, I really like those scenes. Um, I agree that that's, the same i agree with that yeah mm-hmm. it's early on i was like yeah uh best quote did anything stand out to you i don't know <laughs> I, i'm gonna i'm not gonna lie to you i don't have one <laughs> so your guy from roadhouse uh Ke- kevin tiggy he's the bar owner from roadhouse he in this movie he sports <laughs> sullivan with a weird accent there's the yeah do you know what to feed a dre horse before work in the morning just enough to know he's hungry <laughs> <laughs> everything he said was so weird oh my Uh, god there's the guy in the reds who they're right before game one says those guys don't look so tough and the other guy says that's what custer said when the indians took the field which like that was only like 40 years ago before this like a really relevant reference like these guys like live near historical references i know um I didn't find it particularly quotable. It wasn't super quotable. Um, the say it ain't so Joe is a riff on a real quote, uh, yeah. apparently. Um, and then uh, Eddie's quote, when they get him into the boardroom and like when, or when they get him like, I guess in front of the grand jury or whatever. And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, we were crooked. We were crooked. And he's like looking all sad and you feel bad for him. I loved Eddie. Eddie was my favorite. Eddie was, yeah. I mean, Shatharan is just, he's great. I, I'm going with the weird one about, do you know what you feed a Dre horse before work in the morning? <laughs> yeah, just, I like that. Just because That's... of the accent. Um, most athletic moment. I don't know if there was a particular moment. There were a moment. couple catches. Yeah, like, but it's just great all around. Like, yeah, Joe's swings look awesome. Shatharan looks the part. Um, the guy who played Dickie Kerr, the guy who threw like the the complete game in game three, he could actually sling it. Like everyone could play, which was really cool. Dickie Kerr. Dickie Kerr. I mean the names Buck and Dickie and Sport and Abe. Lefty and Chick. Ring. Kid Gleason, the coach. Swid <laughs> Swid Reesberg. Um they're just incredible. It's, it's impossible to pick a single most athletic moment because there's so many good ones. I, I really I love the the Joe Jackson swing though. I like it a lot. That guy DB Sweeney man. Um, the Lenny Harris pinch hitter award for best supporting character. 
this movie this is really hard. It feels can like it's full I, of supporting characters. Can I choose the dad from Frasier? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's coach? yeah. I think he's great. He's my pick. I really liked him. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just realizing that one of my favorite characters in this movie was in a movie with Patrick Swayze. <laughs> And it's not the bar owner for Roadhouse. Which one? <laughs> uh, James Reed, um, who played... Oh, crap, now I gotta go back. Lefty Williams. Yes, Lefty. Um, I like him. Sorry, this is foreshadowing. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going with, with John Mahoney, who is Frazier's dad, as Kid Gleason as well. I will say uh, L- Michael, yeah, Michael, right. Michael Lerner's Arnold Rothstein, really good. Um, yeah. and then, uh, studs Turkle as the old sports writer. I really enjoyed making up all of these names. Now. <laughs> the thing is studs <laughs> Turkle is his real name. Like that's, that's the actual actor's name. It's all, it's all crazy. Make em ups. <laughs> um, this also has the easiest defend the villain. I think we've ever had. Well, uh, who's the villain? Well, I was going to say, it's like, um, I guess the players are, te- I guess, technically, well, I think the easier question is who isn't the villain in this movie? Because you've got the proposition folks that are like saying like, Hey, throw the games. And then you've got, well, let's go back further. You've got the owner that's not paying them what they should be getting made. That makes this an opportunity for them to be approached to make more money because they're not getting it from their actual like salaries. Um, And then you have the people propositioning them. Then you have the players that forego all their morals blah, 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 and actually do it. Um, for the players, it's easy because you're saying like you're not getting what you were yeah do pay them more and you it's yeah it's a hard time out there in 1919 yeah you know what I mean like you're post war pre war like got families to raise can't you can't be out here not getting paid your dues when you're bringing joy and happiness to the kids of Chicago exactly um, prohibition's about to hit hard boy. Tough. Rough times. Rough times. Yeah. Rough times. Yeah. That, um, that was that's an easy defend the villain. Let's uh let's take an ad break before we get to our next category. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, the Peter Gallagher Award. For the hottest person in this movie. Um, there are no women in this movie. So yeah, really. And like if no, it, no. the women that are are wearing very billowy dresses and 
coats and there's such. one i'll just send you i actually took a picture of one the conversation that um john cusack was having with what i think was his wife and her hair was just hilarious all over the place um, and cusack has the, the slick back yeah i gotta tell you i gotta tell you john cusack does not do it for me he's a lovely objectively handsome man just not no and that's why i'm going with lefty babe really yeah so you know like you sent me earlier the uh james reed james reed my guy right yeah james red reed reed hard to red. Do. um <laughs> he is just like i don't know what it is i'm here for it it's uh because it's not charlie sheen it's not john cusack it's not the guy from the ice skating movie um He's just when you sent me that, or you retweeted it. I don't think you even really sent it to me. The yesterday, someone made that like the, the baseball, baseball montage. Yes, montage. shout out. His name the is Oscars Adam montage. Adam K. I don't think I have his last name, but we follow each other on Twitter, and it's great. He made one for football and uh, hockey too. Hold on, it's Adam K. at Somerset V I I. So everyone, go watch that. It's great. Um, and it is, it's, it's a really cool video. Mm -hmm. And the first image is lefty and whoever was staying next to him from this movie when they were doing the national anthem, which again, shout out to, I actually really, actually for best scene, I really liked that scene. I should go back and say that because the moment when they're singing the national anthem and they sing the entire national anthem and the guy has the huge megaphone, which hilarious, love the technology, (laughs) um, is the moment where they're all kind of trying to figure out who they are and what they're doing. Yeah. Like, what am I doing? Am I going to go through with this as I listen? I just, I actually really like that scene. Um, but he is a babe in half and that's, he, he's, I, I'm in. Well, look at him. I'm in. He, uh, yeah. he plays Elle's father in the legally blonde movies. What? Yeah. Well, and that's what I got distracted because he's, he apparently was in a, Civil War themed movie with Patrick Swayze. What is this called? Um, North and South. I'm not seeing that on the filmography. Do you not see? Like, are you looking at the the pictures? Look at that right underneath, and there's like four under photos. The second one in. I'm on. Uh, I'm on Wikipedia. Oh, what? Go to IMDb. Um. But yeah, he is actually legally blonde. Elle's father. He was in Beaches. <laughs> he had a recurring in role in Days of Our Lives. Yes, two hundred thirty-five episodes. Clyde Weston. Apparently, a drug lord. That Clyde Weston. What? Yeah. Man, he plays everybody's father. Yeah, I mean, Listen, he look at this. Has those vibes. Legally Blonde, L's father, not another teen movie, Preston's father. These are how he's listed in <laughs> credits in um, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Ben, Josh's father, Legally Blonde 2, L's father. <laughs> Just a whole bunch of dads. He's like um, he's like the guy from uh, Heat playing cops. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um okay um, he's been like in an episode of everything here and there oh so the it, north and south was a tv miniseries oh oh wow yeah i'm episodes. I'm seeing this picture now i'm seeing this picture yes. of swayze and <laughs> civil war garb oh my god 
<laughs> like I have to find this now. <laughs> he played George Hazard in this North and South book one, North and South book two, Love and War book three. Um, oh my god, Carolyn, and this mini series is so fucking long. <laughs> well, it looks like six episodes for each book, maybe. Wow. He was in 22 episodes of Remington Steel. Love this for him. Man, I bet my guy lives in a nice house. I think that's what we he can say. He played Teddy Kennedy in a Robert Kennedy and His Times TV miniseries in 1985. Wonder if they skipped a certain something about Teddy Kennedy's life in that one. Um, <laughs> yikes. Uh, okay, drinking game. Post-game beers. Ooh. I came, I've already, This is this is a volume game. So it's like you got to have like a seltzer or a beer or something like that. Drink every time someone talks like a 1920s gangster. Yeah. Every time so there's like, just like there's slowly like a, sip throughout the entire just, thing. Every time there's like a C or meh. Every time you see a stack of cash. <laughs> Big stack of cash. Finish your drink if you see a stack of cash. Finish your drink if someone sits on a bed covered in cash. <laughs> uh, best time, worst time. Worst time is John Cusack. John Cusack has a terrible, he is the guy who actually did the work in the group project, but someone in the group cheated and they all got an F. Yeah. That's tough. Yes. He tried his best. He was putting in the effort. How did he even get included in that? Like those guys circle in names. He, not he attended attention. the meeting. He was, he was identified as having attended the meeting. Some horse shit. Yeah. I will never justice for Bucky. Um, Bucky? Buck. Yes. Buck. God damn it. Bucky Bucky is next month. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just thought about having to do the Peter Gallagher Award. Oh, it's going to be tough. Oh. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. You're going um, to be picking some favorites. I can't. Oh, real, no. Real Sophie's choice for, for Caroline next month. Real brutal. Um, He has a horrible time, though. Terrible. Like, he, is, I mean, he is the. He doesn't want to like do immoral things. Um, he loses his livelihood. He loses the game he loves. Joe Jackson has testify. a bad, has kind of a bad time when. You know, he just wants to play. He's stressed out. I feel like all, yeah. almost all the players except for Swede and and Chick, at one point or another, are really stressed out. But Swede and Chick are like, yeah. "Hey, it's gonna be okay." Yeah, this will be fun, right? This will be, this will be huh? fun. Say. <laughs> Throw the World Series. See, um, I would say the gamblers who bet on the Reds, like Arnold Rothstein, probably pretty happy. Yeah, pretty, pretty good. They time. had a good time. Pretty good time. Um, um the team owner maybe had a good time he underpaid them but then he lost his whole team so yeah tough uh the white Sox did not win a world series until 2000 was it 2005 i think the 2005 series Sounds they right. won yeah that's tough that's real tough uh so the white Sox actually had a bad time <laughs> white Sox city of chicago real bad time city of chicago tough times tough time <laughs> um okay Keith Morrison Dateline episode from this movie. What if I I wanted to do a Keith Morrison old timey, but that's like <laughs> old really difficult. Old timey right. Keith. Oh, it's funny. She, <laughs> back in nineteen nineteen, there was a little team out of Chicago playing for the World Series. Oh, but was everything sorry. as it seemed? Huh? <laughs> we look into 
than mystery, mayhem, and no murder. And no murder. <laughs> but there could have been. Well, because it was 1920s Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> and they would have gotten away from away with it. Um, when theft, intrigue, and gambling tonight on Dayline. Well done. That'd be probably a pretty interesting episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I Someone needs to do a podcast about this. <laughs> I'd be in. That's Nanny to do it. Yeah, just Ryan. But having him no, no info. <laughs> That's what he should do. Just wing it. Just... <laughs> Every week he has someone on that he's assigned a piece of like, he's like, and tell me about what you found. <laughs> just... Then he just puts like big brass band music in from time to time winging it a history podcast <laughs> printing money printing it no notes uh roster no moves notes. who is airbud <laughs> cusack barking at a judge just air, air Bud barking at a judge would be wonderful or airbud being eddie and having to throw the game like eddie being yeah. the one who has to hit the batter <laughs> um that would be hilarious um what about well, i would love the coach would be hilarious too like on the stand what if Airbud is the team owner and eddie comes in to talk to Airbud about his ten thousand dollar bonus <laughs> he's like, or he's the nine it's not 30 mob boss guy he's the mob boss guy that's like <laughs> Airbud's the biggest gambler in the united states <laughs> And they're like, you don't want to make him mad. You don't want to make Airbud mad. <laughs> oh man, Airbud, you're the best. He's the best. Our, our best friend, Airbud. Um, the big chill. I would say this has one. I when Buck is up in court and he is making his case, I'm super into that. I do like that, especially when they go sit down, nerd. <laughs> um, no one cares about your batting average. Um. There's a few that are like, it's not the big chill, but it's like a little tingle. Like, I actually think there's something to the scene at the very end with Bucky and with Buck and um, Shoeless Joe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if, again, I don't know if that's big chill, but like just kind of when they pan out and you see him sitting there and it's like, I don't know if that's a supporting his friend thing or like a missing the game thing or a combination or um the sad chills yeah i don't know and then again i will say that the scene with the national anthem i that made me feel things that's like mm-hmm. one of the scenes where i was like oh, shit these guys were going through some stuff going through it mm-hmm. going through it going through it last category before more restore prequel sequel or remake remake i think a remake would be sick absolutely or like and a netflix do... series yeah you could do a limited, like a six episode, like limited series mm-hmm. with Glenn Powell on Netflix. Yes, of course. Of course. Um, because um, you could do one, like the setup, like them, like the last month of the season, kind of leading into this, getting, you know, rum- rumblings on the team and upset about money. Like, show me the fact that he got benched and didn't get his 29. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, take me even further back with that. Mm-hmm. Like, show me, th- I'm with you. Show me the last, like, six weeks of the season short term, not, like, every single game or anything, but how they got to the, like, that they, how the winning of the pennant, 
and then show me all the gamblers know. putting money on this show me like the yeah. ga- get, show me get what the kind of weeds. how the gambling ring exists mm-hmm. like i want to see how the just not that i i know that it's there but like in the how are you um realistically how does it all operate like i think that's stuff that's fascinating mm-hmm. because i don't know anything about that um yeah and then show me too like where they show us pretty well that like again rooker and swede swede <laughs> swede are the guys that you would approach with this like everyone knows that but i show me more of that you know what i mean like show me why they're the guys mm-hmm. um if they made this movie remade it five ten years ago you know let me make sure i get the right right name of this guy and i'm sure i'm gonna still I don't even know how to look him up what he was in. Oh gosh, this is great. You're welcome, listeners. <laughs> I'm I'm yes, I have okay, so good. Much anticipation. I was right. Um Michael Cudlitz is one hundred percent the Rooker character. I who? C U D L I T Z. C U D You've seen oh. him and stuff. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. From Band of Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. He's, oh, he's the best. Yeah, I love him. Yeah. Um, I think he ends up like being the my, he could be the Rooker character. Yeah. He's got that like lovable. Well, he could play either a cop or a guy that's like probably going to get into some shenanigans. Or Sergeant Bull know. Randomly from the 101st Airborne. Have I seen? <laughs> exactly. Have I seen Band of Brothers a few times? Yeah, maybe. It's uh, on Netflix now. I'm trying to like build myself so up to watch it again because it makes me so sad. I love it so Did we, much. It's one of my favorite plane this. watches. Well, we talked about this last week with, with uh, you watch it on a plane. I would be a mess. Yeah. Um, we talked about it last week with that thing you do in the end with the Ken Burns ending. Mm-hmm. We're like, so the first time I saw Band of Brothers, I was on deployment. So I was like post college. Like I didn't see it because that's the thing too. You have to remember if you didn't have HBO you had to get it on DVD, like a box set. Mm-hmm. And, and so I had never seen around. it. Yeah. And so my buddy Graham had the box set and he had it with him in Turkey, like, like when we were on deployment. And so I watched it <laughs> and we watched it together. And it was one of those things where like, I felt really badly for my, for my guy friend. Cause I was sitting there like quietly weeping and he like <laughs> didn't know what to do. <laughs> but they got to the last episode and they're telling you all the stories about like the people going home and like all this stuff. And I am just, a mess like a full-on just like <laughs> you know like have the you, whole thing have you and read that's the book the... no i have not you should read the book it, it's amazing oh how well how good a job that the tv series does of, of the book yeah like it's it's it one also, of the best literary adaptations to movies ever it also is the thing where you realize that like michael schwimmer can play one character yeah like he's ross and now now he's just ross in a uniform annoying everybody yeah and uh jim don't forget jimmy fallon and his cameo in the bastone in the episode before right before bastone yeah that's a wild choice yeah yeah i mean it's a wild the cast of that tom hardy's in that michael fassbender's in that i see this is actually you know what i need to go back and watch again just for that in the sense that um I don't. I actually do, kind of don't even want to look up everyone who's in it again because I want to be surprised. You should. You should. Well, that was Band of Brothers minute on the Eight Men Out Pod. <laughs> every every episode, we're gonna start doing Band of Brothers minute. I also have not. I don't think I ever finished the Pacific. 
Oh. Which is also on Netflix now. Yeah, and then there's so the I might new, just have to have a dad fall. The new and... show produced by Playtone, um, I think it's Masters of the Air with Austin Butler. Kind of wonder, yeah, Excuse about me. about uh, about pilots in World War Two. Excuse me. Yeah, I wonder if Austin Butler is going to talk about Elvis. Hold on. <laughs> well, ta- ta- since... talk like Elvis, Mama, blind this plane. <laughs> since we did. Um... That thing you do last week, I listened to the Smartless episode that Tom Hanks was on, um, and he said that was like his favorite project that he ever did. By the way, was was that thing you do? Well, the it, entire episode was great. Yeah, but so um, Masters of the Air, upcoming American war drama streaming television miniseries for Apple TV, uh, starring Austin Butler, uh, Barry Keoghan, who I love. Oh, Callum Turner. Why do I know that name? Why do I know that name? I don't know. A lot of people. So th- this, is- this is like. This is, is uh, the series serves Masters of the Air. The series serves as a companion to Band of Brothers in the Pacific. I'm fucking pumped. Oh my god! Yeah, when does this come out? And oh my god! And the first four episodes are directed by the guy who directed the first season of True Detective. Oh, Callum Turner, I think, is from The Crown. Oh. Hmm. Maybe not. Hmm. Maybe I lied. <gasps> no, he was an Emma. That's why I know who he is. <laughs> Well, I just have, I just do not, yeah, I don't know. But Austin Butler. Well, Caroline, thanks so much for watching Eight Men Out. <laughs> <laughs> we really, anyone still listening is like, are they done talking about the movie? <laughs> uh, tell the folks where they, they can where going? they can follow you. Um, You can find me on Twitter, X, whatever we're calling it now, or Instagram at CW Darnie. Also on Blue Sky or all the other things, same handle at CW Darnie. Uh, and you can find a new episode of For the Water Cooler every week, everywhere you find your podcast. Uh, so wherever you're listening to this one, you can also find For the Water Cooler. Check it out. Pop culture content. Super fun uh, with guests every week. And if you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Rate and leave a review. Especially leave, a, leave us a five-star review to cancel out the guy who didn't like the Days and Confused episode. Uh, and if you want to support the show and pick movies for us to cover like this one, join the Patreon, patreon.com slash big sports. And for big sports, we'll see you next Monday. Thanks for listening.